Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I hope you folks have the Christmas spirit. I have the Christmas spirit. I'm enjoying Christmas already. Sharon and I are listening to Christmas music, coming into church every day, going home every day. But you know, there's one thing that can rob you of the Christmas spirit. You know what that is? Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Is there anything more frustrating than dealing with Christmas lights? I'm on my second set of Christmas lights on our back deck. We don't do a lot of outside decorating. Sharon decorates the inside of our house beautifully, tastefully done. It is gorgeous. And we have our, out in front of the house, we do have our, what we call our Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And we have lights on it. It's just a little old flimsy uh, pine that's, that's growing there. And it's small and it's flimsy because it's under a lot of other trees. And the lights make it hang over like this. But we enjoy seeing it when we go home at night. The light, it's on a timer so it's all lit up. But, but we also have, not because I want them there, but we also have uh, Christmas lights strung up on my back deck, you know, like, like that around the edge of the deck. And the only reason they're up is because my daughter Erin, who is coming home this coming Saturday from South Carolina, expects them to be there. And if I don't put them there, then I'm the Grinch that stole Christmas. So I put them up a couple of weeks ago when it was warm. Sharon, Sharon had a great idea. She said, while it's warm, why don't you put them up now? So I thought that's a good idea, and I did. And we started turning them on at night. We have a remote control. We can turn them off and on by pressing a button. And one set of lights, has already, I've got two sets on my back deck. One set, for whatever reason, brand new. Weren't they brand new? I, well, I don't know if those were. The first set that went out, I don't know if they were brand new or not, but they went out. And I got two sets. So I got, I got an extension card to the first set. Okay, then I got where we walk out. So I got a, another extension card that goes under the steps and over to the second set of lights over here. Well, the second set burning brightly. But the first set over here went out. It's attached to the plug. So I replaced them. I replaced them. And I pointed out to Sharon, was it last night? I said... The, the set that I replaced with, I know that's a brand new set. They're going out too. So plug them in. Okay, who said that? <laughs> They're plugged in. But here's the thing. It's a string of like 20 lights. And the first 10, the, they're all part of the same string. There's no, uh, no uh, um, extension card between them. The first half, they're burning brightly. The second half is dim. Go figure. So anyway, bah humbug on the whole thing. I'm, it's all Aaron's fault, but she'll be here Saturday. She's expecting lights. But uh, I hope you do have the Christmas spirit. And we're, we've been talking about Christmas this month. And today we're want, we want to talk about Mary. We're in Luke chapter 1. We're in Luke chapter 1. And I want to, as best I'm capable, to make this story real and current to you today. Now, what story are we talking about? We're talking about the night 
that the angel appeared to Mary. Because how Mary responds to this angel is a lesson to all of us how we ought to respond really to any and all of God's instructions. The angel is informing and instructing Mary of some things. Now, let's consider this story. This angel, first of all, appears to a woman that you might not expect an angel to appear to. This, this, this girl, if you will, is, is poor. She is obscure. She is not a wealthy girl. She is not a girl of royalty in a palace. So, it, you know, storytellers, if they were just coming up with a story, might find it odd that an angel would appear to such a girl, but that was the case. Now, she was a woman of faith. She was a young lady of, of excellent character. And the most important thing in her life at this time is the fact that she is engaged to her dream, Joseph. And as you might expect with a young lady, probably paramount in all of her thoughts are the fact that she has an approaching wedding coming with the young man of her dreams. And while all of that is going on, an angel, an angel appears to her, and first of all, he says, I'm just paraphrasing, and we'll look at specific uh, verses in just a second, but the angel basically says to her, don't be spooked by the fact that I'm talking to you. Can you imagine waking up and there's an angel in your room? I mean, just think about that for a second. That happened to her. What if it happened to you? What if you woke up, this is a young girl sleeping, and an angel appears to her, and the first thing the angel says is, don't be spooked, don't be spooked. That's a good thing for the angel to say. Don't be spooked by the fact that I'm talking to you. And he says, look, God is very pleased with you among all the women on earth. And I can imagine she's just, I don't know, maybe she's got the covers up around her face, and she's wondering, what is going on here? You know, is this really an angel? What am I seeing? She's trying to sort through this. And the angel says, look, God is very pleased with you. Among all the women on earth, he is pleased, especially with you. And Mary's response was, she acknowledged that she was uh, troubled. What the angel said caused her great confusion and anxiety. I mean, this is something that nobody experiences. And She, this little, poor, obscure young girl, is is talking to an angel, and she is troubled, she is confused, she is scared, because the angel's response is, don't be scared. He tells you, don't be afraid. So it's obvious, she's afraid. She may be so afraid that she's shaking. Maybe she got up from her bed, ran into a corner, and she's crouched down. I don't know, but I can only imagine. He says, don't be afraid, God's very pleased with you. And then the angel says this in verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. The angel says, Mary, yes, you're going to have a son and his name is going to be Jesus. And then he goes on to say in verse number 32, He shall be great 
and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. Can you imagine the overload in her mind right now? First of all, the angel says you're going to have a son. In modern day vernacular, she's going to be thinking, say what? I'm going to what? What? I'm, I'm going to have a son. Now she knows she hasn't been with a man. She knows, I mean, she knows that better than anybody. Can you imagine what's going through her mind? How in the world? What are you talking about? That cannot be. And, and, and the angel's response was, don't worry about that. Uh, look in verse number uh, 33. He continues, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's going to reign over Israel, and there will be no end to his reigning. And again, she's trying to process this overload that makes no sense whatsoever. Here I am, a poor girl, minding my own business, exciting about, excited about getting married to Joseph, making wedding plans, and we got the caterer, and we got the photographer, and we got everything all worked out. And now you're telling me, I'm going to have a baby? You're even telling me the name of this baby? And you're telling me he's going to be a king? You know, if it were me, I, I, I think she'd be thinking to herself, you know, you, you, you must have the wrong girl. This, this cannot be. Verse number 34. Then said Mary unto the angel. You know where she's thinking now, or where she's going. How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. I imagine, I imagine Mary thinking, you know, angel, we got a problem here. <laughs> you know, you're, you're saying all this stuff. I'm going to have a baby, and it's going to be his name, Jesus. He's going to be king, and all this stuff. You, you got a little problem, angel. Uh, that can't happen. You know, I haven't known a man. There's no way. This, this, this cannot be right. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We've got a little problem here. Well, in verse number 35. The angel responds. And the angel answered and said unto her, Boy, this just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper with Mary. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Say what? <laughs> Could you repeat that? Did I just hear what I think I just heard? The Holy Ghost? I'm going to have a child and it's going to... The Holy Ghost is going to play a part in that? Can, can you just... I mean, just you know, We've read this story a hundred times. We know this story. You know, but just think about it in real terms. As I was reading, that's the way I was saying. I was trying to imagine how that might play out today if the Lord were to do it today. And I could just see... Some young ladies say, what? You know, this, no way. And, and, and that's really how Mary was, was, was responding. The angel says the Holy Ghost is going to take care of it. And this child you're carrying isn't just going to be any child. This is going to be the Son of God. Then we come to verse number 36. The angel goes further to try to help her 
to, to comfort her. And he says this. He says, let me tell you, if I were writing the story in a play script, I'd say to the angel, say, let me tell you, you, you believe that? Let me give you another one. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age. She was elderly. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So what the angel is really telling Mary here, by the way, God's also performed a miracle in that your elderly cousin is going to have a baby too that is going to proclaim the Lord and point people to the Lord. And again, the angel says it perfectly in verse number 37 because Mary is trying to sort through all of this. The angel says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Perhaps the angel's thinking, you know, you're worried that this can't happen, but let me assure you, it can happen, Mary. There's been a miracle with your cousin. There's going to be a greater miracle with you. There ain't nothing too hard for God, Mary. And then in verse number 38. Now again, the, the information overload that's in her mind. None of it has happened before in the history of the world. It probably hadn't even been conceived of by anyone in the history of the world, except for what you might know through prophecy. But now it's happening to her. Can you imagine the emotions? But, but I'm supposed to get married. But what about Joseph? Joseph. What is Joseph going to think? What are, his, what are his parents going to think? What are my parents going to think? What is this community? How am I going to explain this to anybody and everybody? I mean, it's bad news in that day and age to be expecting before you're married. It's, it's very bad news. It creates a lot of problems. But his name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be of the Holy Ghost. I mean, try processing that in your mind. But we had wedding plans. Are we going to be able to have wedding? How are we going to do this? And then she gives you and me today a beautiful example of how anytime the Lord speaks to us through his word, how we are to respond. In verse number 38, this is when you think about it in terms that are real, of real people with real emotions, this is amazing what she says. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What was she saying there? When she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, she is saying, Okay, I am the Lord's servant. And when she said, Be it unto me according to thy word, She she is saying there, I will be obedient to the Lord. This fantastic, godly communication to her 
these instructions, these directions. It upset her life totally as far as what was planned. But her response was simply, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And I think the point, this is just a narrative passage. But there's always lessons to be learned from the story. And I think the point here that we need to take note of this morning, which might be convicting for a lot of us, is that Mary demonstrates the response we should have to all of God's communication to us, even the things that are challenging and hard to understand. Mary demonstrates in this response we should have to all, we should have to all of God's communication to us, even the things that are challenging and are hard to understand. When God says something to you, it may be hard. It may be challenging. But your response and my response should always be, I am your servant. I will do as you command. Again, look at Luke one thirty-eight, And Mary said unto him, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She said two things. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it to me according to thy word. Here's how one writer describes it. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. What does that mean? This was an expression of resignation to the will of God and of faith in the promise. To be the handmaid of the Lord is to be submissive and obedient. And is the same as saying, I fully credit all that is said, and I am perfectly ready to obey all the commands of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And then where it says that, be it unto me according to thy word, that same writer says this, let it be to me according to your word. Mary was in an extremely embarrassing and difficult position. Betrothed to Joseph, she faced the stigma of unwed motherhood. Joseph would obviously have known that the child was not his. She knew she would be accused of adultery, an offense punishable then by stoning. Yet she willingly and graciously submitted to the will of God. Mary was saying, I am your servant. I will do what you ask me to do. And it is incumbent upon us to realize that she responded as she should. And that response demonstrates how you and I should. How do you and I respond when the Lord gives us directions? There are people that actually won't go to churches that preach God's word because they are not going to do what he says. They're filled with with self-will. But but what Mary demonstrated there, she was just being Christ-like. Because that's the same spirit that Jesus modeled. In Philippians 2.5, Jesus demonstrates the same spirit that, that Mary had. Really, Mary was demonstrating the spirit that Jesus would have, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. 
Mary's spirit of servanthood and obedience would later be demonstrated by the Son of God Himself, who was equal to God, but took on Himself the form of a servant. And through Him, He modeled the attitude that all of us should have to any communication that God gives us through His Word, through the preaching of His Word. And and Jesus expects us to have that same spirit. In that same passage, look at what it says. We read in verse number 7, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And then in Philippians 2.5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, Mary demonstrated that servant spirit, that obedient spirit to the Word of God, that Jesus, her Son, would then live Himself and that the Bible would tell us to emulate. So what is the lesson that we learned from Mary this morning? We should work hard and strive to be obedient servants to the Lord and we need to understand the value that comes with that. We need to understand that although our nature fights it, we need to understand that the right way for those of us that call ourselves Christians to live is as a servant to God, as an obedient service to God. Now, being obedient, I will grant you, is a challenge. You know, what Mary did for the average person, it's hard to do. So many Christians aren't in church today. They don't read their Bible today because they are filled with self-will. They're going to do what they want to do. And so they'll just not hear the Bible. They'll, they'll not hear the preaching. So I'll acknowledge it's a challenge. And it's a challenge for three reasons. Being an obedient servant. Number one, all lost people around us aren't obedient servants. They're self-willed. And from the outside, it might look like they're all doing okay. Why should I be his servant? Why should I be an obedient servant? Most of the people around me, the people at work, a lot of my kin folks, a lot of my neighbors, you know, they're just living a self-willed life. And when we see everybody living that life, if you're not careful, that influence will rub off on you. But a second reason is everything in media promotes the idea of self-will. You know, everything in media promotes the idea. I mean, in the movies, they never stop and pray about what's God's will. In the movies, nobody ever goes to the preacher and asks what I should do. In the movie, nobody's ever searching Scripture. Unless it's some, unless it's some particular, you know, uh, a Christian movie made for that purpose. But, you know, you're not going to get that from Hollywood. They're, they're not going to do that. And what are they teaching you? I mean, people just decide what they want to do and they do it. And we're influenced by that. And number three, our flesh always desires to be guided by self-will. That's the nature of our flesh. That, that, that part of you that is unredeemed, that part of you that still longs for the world and the things of the world. So even though it's a challenge, though, we need to have the highest respect and regard for Mary and for her example. And we need to know that what she did that morning was the right thing, or that, that night, that was the right thing. And we know that Jesus gave you and me that model 
that we should be servants. And in Philippians chapter 2, it calls us to, uh, calls us to follow that model. So, let me give you, uh, let me use Mary as an example to show you. I want to make the case this morning. Even though your flesh is going to fight you, the influence of, the, uh, of people around you are going to fight you, and the influence of, of media is going to fight you, I'm going to stand up here and make the case for you being a servant. I'm going to stand up here and say what Hollywood isn't saying and what the national media isn't saying and what universities, secular universities, isn't saying. I am going to swim upstream today and encourage you to follow Mary's example. That when the Lord speaks, you're not going to argue, you're not going to ignore it, but you're going to have the same spirit that she did. And let me give you some reasons why. Number one, when you're an obedient servant of God as Mary was... It puts you in a position to avoid the dangers and pitfalls of self-will. When you're an obedient servant of God, and it can be hard. Look, you have my sympathy, okay? I understand that. But when you're an obedient servant of God, as Mary was, it puts you in a position to avoid the dangers and pitfalls of self-will. Mary, when she responded in the story... She responded as an obedient servant. What if she hadn't? What if she hadn't? What could that have meant for her? What could that have meant for her life? Now, she did, and we're glad she did, but what if she had said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I'm getting married. Get your little old angel self out of here. You know, I'm I'm getting married, and those are my plans, and we've got the caterer, we've got the photographer, we've got the cake, we've got the dresses, we've got all that. We, we, we ain't changed. Suppose she would have done that. Think about it. If she didn't follow God's will there, in what other areas might she not have been following God's will? She may not have yielded to the Lord in the area of sexual purity. She was pure, but if she was self-willed, maybe she wouldn't have been. She may not have yielded in the area of being a faithful wife. We know that she ended up being a faithful wife, but as a self-willed person, maybe she wouldn't have been a faithful wife. She may not have yielded in the area of being a good mom, and we know that she was a good mom, but had she been self-willed, who knows what kind of mom she may have been. We can only really speculate as to how her life might have been, might have taken a turn for the worse, how her life might have been uh, tragic had she said to the angel, uh-uh, you know, give the old head thing. I can't do it, but, you know, that, that's not my plans. Because that's being said all around America today to God's Word. That's not my plans. Right? Maybe they're not saying it to an angel, but they're saying it to, to the preaching of God's Word. They're, they're saying it to God's Word. They're, they're saying it to family and friends who are pleading with them to get right with God. No, that's not my plans. When you're an obedient servant of God, you remove yourself from the dangers that come that are inherent with self-will. Mary said, Behold thy handmaid, be it unto me according to thy word. It meant that she chose to please God before she would please herself. That's what it means. She, She made a decision to please God rather than than herself. What did she do? She chose to deny her self-will. 
Because self-will always gets you in trouble. Think about the Bible characters that got in trouble because of self-will. Let's just start back at the beginning with Adam and Eve. They got in trouble because of what? Self-will. I know what God said, but I'm going to do what I want to do. It got them in big trouble, and we're paying for it so many thousands of years later. Jonah, when he didn't go to Nineveh, when the Lord told him to go there, what was Jonah's problem? Self-will. Now, he got to communicate from the Lord, like Mary did, but his response was different. Uh Uh-uh. I don't like the people there. I don't want to go there. I'm not going there. He ended up in a fish's belly. King David, when he wanted Bathsheba, he knew that that was another woman's wife, and he knew God's will concerning those sort of things, but he wanted to please himself rather than please God. And it's always costly, folks. Samson, when he wanted a Philistine wife, even his parents said, "Eh, no, 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 that's not according to God's plan, God's word. Look, let us find you somebody else. No. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. That is self-will. And he got in trouble. Saul, when he didn't listen to Samuel. Samuel gave him specific instructions how to handle things while he was away. And we don't have time to rehash the story, but, you know, Saul did what he wanted to do. And it cost him the kingdom. And that is what self-will always does. Self-will comes with a cost. We admire Mary. We appreciate Mary. She sets an example for us today as a woman who denied self-will. A woman who explicitly stated, I am your handmaid, be it unto me as you said. What a spirit. And what a life. Let me bring it down close to home. And I don't mean to hurt or embarrass anybody. All abortions are done by people governed at least at some time by self-will. That may hurt, but folks, that's, if you're following God's will, you're not going to end up there. All alcoholics are people governed at least at one time by self-will. All people suffering from sexually transmitted diseases are governed by self-will. All people living together in sin, and it's this, it's, it's, Tearing up our country or governed by self-will. Doesn't, doesn't God's word speak expressly against that? So if you're not listening to God's will, then what are you doing? It's, it's self-will. All people suffering from the ravages of tobacco, smoking, whatever. That doesn't begin by following the Lord. That's self-will. All crimes are committed by people governed by self-will. All people who live in bitterness, anger, jealousy, pride are governed by self-will. All unwanted pregnancies are the results of people governed by self-will. All divorces involve at least one person governed by self-will. And all pain in relationships is a result of someone governed by self-will. Now that may be painful this morning. And I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound of anybody who's experienced any of that stuff. But... It's the truth. Self-will will will get you in trouble every time. 
Now, maybe you've gotten in trouble in the past through self-will, but that can change today. Today, you can make a conscious change. And change. And there are some people in this room who at one time were totally governed by self-will and who maybe made a change when they were a teenager, a young adult, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. They, they have experienced perhaps some of those things. But they went from self-will to thy will. And it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. Disobedience is always more costly than obedience. Or excuse me, disobedience is always more cost. Obe- Forget that quote. <laughs> the first step, here's the quote, the first step toward a daily following of Christ is the denying of self-will. Maybe you've lived your whole life and you're still governed by self-will. There's lots of folks in here that once were just totally governed by self-will. They didn't know the Lord. And it was just totally, I mean, they just did what they wanted to do, but they got saved. And it changed. And now it's God's will. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still suffering some of those consequences. And what I gave you was a list basically of consequences, real consequences that are only the result of self-will. Nobody ever gets in any of that kind of trouble by following God's will. Well, the rest of your life, if you get saved now, can be the best of your life by surrendering your will to God's will and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and becoming a born-again child of God. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.